Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by teaching pastor Clayton Keenan and executive pastor Eric Ferris. We're about to jump into another passage from the book of Genesis, and we're going to get right into it. So Clayton, tell us what we're talking about today. Yeah, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 41. This is right smack in the middle of the story of Joseph that we have been reading for a little while here. Uh, but let me give you some context leading up to this, yeah. because we're getting we're getting kind of towards the end of the book of Genesis. And uh, even though this is really a story about Joseph in particular, it's helpful to see kind of where we've been and how we got to this place. So the book of Genesis starts with... Uh, Sin coming into the world. Well, it starts with creation, but then sin comes into the world, and God puts a a curse. He says, as a result of sin, here are the consequences. And some of those consequences are things like um, uh, he curses the ground, so he says it's going to be hard to get food. Uh, He curses uh, uh, childbirth. He says it's going to be hard to have kids. And so there are these things that have kind of gone through the entire book of Genesis, saying these are the challenges, these are the difficulties of life that all humanity faces, but then he calls a guy named Abraham, and his family, and says, you are going to be a solution to all of this problem, all the sin and the curse and all the things that have come along. And we follow the generations of this family carrying this promise where God has said, there's going to be a solution that comes through you, and you are going to be a blessing to the whole world in spite of the fact that the world is cursed. And so when we get to the story of Joseph, we're going to see some of those themes come back. So uh, here's where Joseph's life has been so far. Uh, It has not gone well. Uh, Joseph, uh, he was uh, loved by his parents uh, a little bit too much in some ways. Uh, So uh, his dad favored him, treated him, you know, more special than some of the other kids. And uh, if you've ever been in one of those kind of situations, you can, you know, uh, favoritism in a family does not go well. So uh, his older brothers uh, take it out on him and uh, eventually they get to the place where they say, we want to get rid of him uh, and we are going to kill him. They realize there's an, a, a way out. They can sell him into slavery without doing that. Uh, but then Joseph spends uh, most of his life basically going from one bad situation to the next. So he's in slavery. Uh, at first, it thing, seems like things might go a little bit okay. He's kind of getting some responsibility, but then he's accused of something he doesn't do, and he gets sent to prison. He's in prison. He's uh, kind of making friends with the guards and kind of having some responsibility there. And he thinks he's actually got a way, like, hey, I'm going to get a connection out. He he helps out a couple of guys. There are two guys in there that have some dreams. Uh, and Joseph, uh, by God's power, helps interpret those dreams. And he says, when you get out of here, make sure you remember how I did you a favor. And he's waiting and he's waiting and nothing happens. And he's just in prison. And so Joseph has has you know, hit all of these situations where again and again and again, he ends up kind of in the pit. And so we're at the place of saying, what's going to happen with Joseph? And then we turn to chapter 41. So uh, Eric, would you read it for us? When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. 
In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream that same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it is said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Uh, So now I'm going to skip reading verses 17 through 24, because in those verses, Pharaoh simply tells his dream again to Joseph. So picking it up now in verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed so good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name I don't know what that is, <laughs> Zaphanath-Paneah, and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. 
During these seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because he has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. And this concludes not only this reading, but apparently the entire podcast. How long was that reading? <laughs> it, it, was, it was quite long. Uh, 57 verses. I think that's a record for what we've done so far on the podcast. Uh, but I think there's, uh, there's a lot here. I mean, this is, um, this is a culmination of this story. There's, um, that you're kind of waiting for when's the good going to come, and this is when it arrives. So it's this big climactic uh, moment that, that the the story makes a big deal out of, the book of Genesis makes a big deal out of. So let's uh, start with uh, observations. So that's uh, the step in the comma method that we use when we just simply look and say, what is there uh, that strikes you? What, what's there that you observe in the text? Uh, my first observation is uh, that when Joseph came in to interpret Pharaoh's dream, uh, Pharaoh says, I've heard that you have the ability to hear a dream and to interpret it. So basically that's what I'm going to do. And so Joseph's like, yeah, I can't do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Um, and so my observation from this entire passage here shows that Joseph had really great wisdom, but that wisdom, he contributed to God. That was that was a really cool observation for me. Yeah. Yeah, the the the... It'd be easy to look at Joseph and say, "Look at all that he did! Isn't right. he amazing?" But Joseph never says that. Mm-hmm. You know, he he points it to God. That's really that's really good. Uh, two thoughts as I was reading that. One is, uh, have you ever had? This is, I guess, kind of a question. But we keep saying that good questions are good observations, right? Mm-hmm. So have you ever had a dream where you're like, that was just a weird dream? Like, I don't know what my brain was doing. <laughs> like, apparently, like, somehow my brain is filtering out my life's experiences when I sleep, and that's just bizarro weird, right? But have you ever had a dream where you woke up and you're like, there was something to that dream? You know, I I, I never remember my dreams, so it doesn't that, that, that hasn't really happened to me, but every single morning my children come down to breakfast and they're like, can I tell you what I dreamed? And it, it's always like about Minecraft or something like that. But I, but there's a part of me that, um, like when I pray for them before I put them to bed, I'll, I'll pray, God, give them good dreams. And I don't just mean so that they don't wake up scared, but in my mind, I'm thinking, God, if you wanted to speak to them, yeah. you could. So I'm always listening at breakfast, like maybe this won't be about Legos or, you know, wh- whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, in scripture, you see it a lot. Yeah. God speaks in visions and dreams. And we've also been hearing a lot over the last several decades of how many people with a Muslim background mm-hmm. come to faith through dreams where 
with visions of Jesus, right? Yeah. So I just find the whole topic fascinating. So that's my first observation is it, it's not odd, you know, that God would speak speak through a dream. Yeah. And, uh, and I think culturally it was something they paid attention to. So you would, it makes sense that God would say, that's, that's one of the ways I'm going to get people's attention, you know? My second one was, uh, I was kind of laughing while I was reading it, because uh, think about how self-serving, like if, if Joseph was manipulative, which he doesn't appear to be from what the scriptures describe. So you give Pharaoh this interp- interpretation of this dream, and you're kind of standing there going, no, if you could just find a wise person <laughs> to put in charge of the whole country, hmm, where could we find such a person? Uh, well, you know, it seems a little bit like, He's setting himself up if he was manipulative to be put in charge of all of Egypt. Yeah. That's just my weird brain as I'm reading this unbelievably long text that you gave me to read during this podcast episode. I feel like I should be able to not be the reader for like two or three episodes now. Mm. You've you've put in your time. Yeah. That sounded bad, didn't it? It sounded like I don't want to read the Bible out loud. (laughs) So I found a really cool connection as I was looking through the study notes in my NIV study Bible. There was a section where the chief cupbearer is talking about that time when Joseph interpreted uh, his dream and the other guy's dream when they were in jail. And when I looked at the study note, verse 13, it says, um, and he says to, to Pharaoh, and things turned out exactly as Joseph had interpreted them to us. And so the study note said that it happened just as, jo- as, as Joseph said, because Joseph's words were from the Lord. And then the study note pointed me to Psalm 105, 105 verse 19. And that portion of the psalm actually talks about Joseph and what God did during this time. So verse 16 through 19 says that he, God, called down famine on the land and destroyed all of their, meaning Egypt, supplies of food. And he sent a man, which was Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons, referring to that time in jail. Tell what he foretold came to pass. So the word of the Lord proved him true. And so I think that's so great that when we read things in the Psalms to, that rem, remind us of what happened in the Old Testament, it was a great reminder for people of Israel back then, but also serves as a great reminder for us. Because if you're in the Psalms and you're reading and you're go, you go, hey, wait, I remember that story from back in Genesis. Like, that's, that's really cool. If you can make that connection, it, it, it kind yeah. of pulls us back to different yeah, portions of, those, of the Bible. One of the great benefits of reading through the the Bible regularly and systematically is that those connections start to, like things that you would have passed over suddenly become like aha moments mm-hmm. where you, you know those connections. I love that. That's amazing. So here's a good tip for those of you that have actually purchased a study Bible out there in podcast land. So you might have come across this tool in your study Bible. Maybe not. Maybe it's something you just ignore, like you think the tool is for other people. But as you're reading, there's all these little tiny letters or numbers superscript, like they're really small, almost like exponents in a math equation. And you're like, why Why are all these little... You think it's for someone else, most likely. And then in the center of the page, there's a column with every verse. Those little superscript letters are there. What those are doing is they are pointing you to another place in the Bible that talks about the very thing that you're reading. So when Nikki just said that this this account shows up in the Psalms, chances are, if you look in your study Bible, you might see like a little lowercase i or something. And then you go and you look at that verse in that center column, 
and it tells you to go to the Psalms, and you're going to see that the Psalms talk about this story. And that's where you start to, it's like playing connect the dots with your Bible, and it starts connecting this story with this New Testament writer, and this person, you know, Peter is talking about this thing over here, and you start to make all these connections about how the whole Bible is interconnected and one, one complete whole, and that's really fun. So if you've never played with those before, uh, I would suggest as you're doing your daily Bible reading, look one or two of those up and go for a ride and see where it takes you. Yeah. Let me let me uh, focus some attention on the second half of this story here, because uh, I had you read the longer section. So if you're looking in your Bible, you'll probably see there's like a heading above verse 41. You thought, well, why don't we just stop there? It's long enough as it is. But I actually think some of the more interesting things happen in uh, the second half when uh, Pharaoh elevates Joseph and he's doing his job. Um, one of those is uh, the fact that uh, what he was doing, like when you actually look at the description of what he was doing, it is logistical work. So he is coordinating all sorts of things. He's doing, uh, you know, planning for storage and he's setting up granaries and doing all this stuff. Um, it's government work. It's uh, it's secular work and it's exactly what God wanted him to be doing. Um, this is such a perfect example of a, a person in the Bible who is placed by God, called by God to do something particular and unlike the way many of us think, like if I'm going to do something for God, I got to go out and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go work at a church or I'm going to go overseas and do something or, you know, you're thinking, you know, missionary, pastor, these sorts of things. Uh, it feels very spiritual. And yet some of the most important things that happen, I would argue maybe more important in some ways, are the things that happen out in the world where God's people are doing things, not for themselves, but for the sake of other people, saying, in my normal workplace, I'm doing that. And I, I just love this as an example of that. And then uh, at the very end, um, there are uh, there, there's a connection to that promise to Abraham, where it says, all the world came to Egypt to buy grain for Joseph. All the world. So when God had promised, you're going to be a blessing to all nations, this is one of the expressions of that. We, we know that in the long run, the ultimate blessing is that Jesus shows up and he's a blessing to all nations. But along the way, like for you know, two thousand years before you get to Jesus, the God, Abraham's family, God's people, are constantly in a place where they're supposed to be blessing the entire world, doing things that bring life and and counteract the very curse that sin brought on the world. The famine made it so it was hard for them to have uh, food, and yet here are God's people kind of undoing that, uh, serving God's purposes to to bring a blessing. So I, I really love that. As because uh, it, it could, this could just be a story about you know hey look isn't it great that God turned Joseph's situation around but it's really a, a story of isn't it great that God knew exactly where he needed Joseph uh, to to uh, bless the world all right we are going to turn to the first M in comma and we're going to do meditation so I want us to zero in on uh, the passage that uh, the the verse that Nikki uh, pointed out at the very beginning here verse sixteen where uh, Joseph says this, I cannot do it, but God will. I cannot do it, but God will. Let's take 45 seconds and let's prayerfully think about what that verse means.
All right. Well, we are on the second M in comma, which is message. We're asking the question, what does this mean after we've pondered all these details? So let's go around and hear a message that you guys have gotten out of the passage. Uh, since we were talking about dreams, one of my recurring dreams is my teeth start falling out. <laughs> like all of them. The, my whole life I've had this dream. And apparently if you Google dream interpretation, which is a common dream, and it's about feeling like circumstances are out of your control. So that verse, I cannot do it, but God can. The notion that there are some things that God wants to do in my life or through my life that ultimately are out of my control. Um, if you like to be in control, uh, or if you like to, if, if you're the kind of person, which I think I probably am, if my teeth are falling out in my dreams, um, where you're like, well, I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. Well, sometimes God purposes aren't purely a human endeavor, right? They are, they, it requires a God component. Um, and so I, I ask myself, if I'm going to write a message, which, which if we remember the comma method, you're trying to put this in like a one sentence kind of slogan, pithy kind of almost like a commercial ad or something. Advertisement. I said advertisement several I was, episodes I ago, and I got mocked for it. Advertisement. <laughs> if you want to put it in the form of an advertisement, God, what do you want to do in and through my life that I cannot do by myself? Mm. Yeah. yeah, my message came from uh, verse 46, actually. It says that Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, but it's very clear uh, that although that might be the case, uh, Joseph served God above all, and God was using him uh, for to accomplish much bigger purposes uh, for God's glory. And so my message was God's plan and purposes are always at work, and if we're willing, we get to play a part in God accomplishing those plans and purposes for His glory. Yeah. Uh, I... Uh, you know, I, I, there are so many things out of this passage uh, that I, I actually wrote down, like three or four messages. But um, the the thing that that struck me most was this uh, pattern in Joseph's life of going down and then coming up. There's there's uh, you know, uh, if you zoom forward, it's that death and resurrection pattern that happens in a lot of biblical character stories. And uh, you, you, we've seen it all the way through Genesis. There are all sorts of situations that are impossible. By human circumstances, you know, Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're as good as dead. They have no children, you know, they say. Uh, Isaac's on the altar about to die. Uh, Jacob, his brother's going to kill him, and he doesn't know how to get out of it. And Joseph, he's in prison, and he's not sure what's going to happen. It's that he goes down, and all the suffering, and all the pain, and all the, the humiliation that comes with that, and yet God does the impossible and turns it around. So I, I look at that, um, and we often ask the question, okay, when I feel like I'm in that place of descent, you know, like my life is not working out the way I wanted it to, is God at work. And so um, the, my, my message that I came to was this, God orchestrates both your suffering and your success so that your life accomplishes his purposes. Mm -hmm. That even when, when Joseph was going down into the pit, God still had the, his purposes in that. And then when he raises him up, he's got his purposes in that uh, as well. All right. We are in the final step of the comma method, A, for application. And so I want to turn it over to you guys. How are you going to apply this passage to your life? 
Um, I want to be aware and open to God's plan and purposes, how he's working in my life, but also how he might want to be using me in the lives of those that he's put into my circle of influence. So um, it's clear that God was working in Joseph's life, but he positioned him in such a way that he was able to save a lot of people uh, because of just God saying, here, I'm going to put you here, and this is what I'm going to give you the wisdom to do, and because of it, people are going to be saved for it. So, um, so yeah, just being open, open to what God's going to do. Each of us came up with a different message, so I'm trying right now to think which which of our three messages do I want to <laughs> actually try to draw an application out of. I, I really like the... Uh, I'm going to use your, your message, Clayton, and uh, the application would be if if God is accomplishing his purposes, whether it's well how did you say it successes or yeah, God orchestrates both your 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 suffering and your success for yeah, his purposes. So when I'm in those suffering seasons where you're asking God, like, what are you doing? Like, really? Like I'm following you and this is this I'm in jail or I'm this or I'm you know to remind like my application is remind yourself that following following Jesus sometimes has seasons that feel bad and sometimes f- seasons that feel fun. And in both of those, I have to remind my, I'm going to remind myself that God is at work. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, actively taking a posture of patience is a, is a good application. To say, I, it's, it's so easy to look at the circumstances of your life and feel impatient. You want to push, you want to, you know, and there are times when we're, we're supposed to actively change things, but there, there are also times when we say, this is not in my control. I might be in a season of suffering. I might be in a place where I don't want to be, uh, but I'm going to be patient. I'm going to. Uh, there, there's a phrase that comes up in the Bible: waiting upon the Lord. And so, uh, deliberately saying, "I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust. I'm going to be patient," because uh, God is at work in this. He's orchestrating it for His purposes. All right. Well, that is a great reminder for us. I hope that takes us into the rest of this week. Uh, that no matter where we are, what we're facing, God is always at work in our lives. We hope you'll join us next Monday. Eric will be walking us through another passage. And in the meantime, if you are not following along with the reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.